Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. Where we continue to follow the capture and killing of Osama bin Laden now. Those are just some of the scenes overnight as thousands of Americans gathered in celebration of Osama bin Laden's death. Former Navy SEAL Rob O'Neill says he has thought about the mission every day since that May Day in 2011. From multiple conversations you had with Rob O'Neill over the past year and a half, how'd you get And you described that his head kind of exploded yes. when you hit I, him. Yes, I actually hit him three times because I shot him twice when he was standing and once on the ground. That is the fucking American badass. Go, go, go. We are not going for fame and we are not going for bravado. We are going for the single mom who dropped her kids off at elementary school on a Tuesday morning, and then 45 minutes later, she jumped to her death out of a skyscraper. If you need help, hang up and then dial your operator. I'm Rob O'Neill, and this is the Operator Podcast. Welcome back. Time sure does fly. I believe we are on episode 17 of the Operator Podcast. I am Robert J. O'Neill, former Navy SEAL. I'll be your host today, and we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff, hopefully some new stuff, but there is stuff that we can't get away from, and that, of course, is the World Cup. I think it's a blast. I love the World Cup. I, I hope you do, too. I, you know, I'm not a big soccer fan. I could be. I've been to like MLS games and stuff like that. Hasn't quite grabbed me here yet, but the World Cup has always been something that I, that I love as long as I can remember. I've, I've uh, been overseas watching it. Been in the nation's capital watching it at a whatever pub. They open really, really early. It's a lot of fun. I love seeing them get together. This one I talked about last week is unique because it's the first one in um, an Arab state in the Middle East, Qatar, which is very, very uh, religiously fundamental, if you will. But it, you know, no, no, no beer at the games, but you can drink uh, at the hotel or certain restaurants and stuff like that. And people seem to be having a pretty good time with it, um, other than being, um, you know not being drunk in the stadium. And we did get an, an opportunity just to see some other fans. I think it was pretty cool that when Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, and Argentina, I said, I think, was going to win the whole thing. They lost their first game to Saudi Arabia. Watching some of those uh, Saudi fans rolling around, up, there was, there was one interview where a Saudi dude went up to a Mexican news station, and so he's <laughs> speaking to a woman who's speaking Spanish, and he's just trying to speak his best English, and he keeps saying, uh, we're messy, we're messy. We're Messi, and he's making fun of Messi, who people say is the greatest player in the world. I still go with, with Ronaldo, but neither here nor there. But it's interesting to see stuff like that go on, and I love seeing countries come together because there hasn't been any, any real issues, threats here and there. Well, the, you know, the usual suspects, Iran, uh, they want to do something with whatnot. But they're out so that they can forget about it. That was a good game. Uh, Team USA beat the Iranians 1-0 yesterday. And Iran's been Iran and their fans have actually been been the protesters in this whole thing because of what's happening in Iran. This is a really really big uprising in Iran, but we're not taking advantage of it. This is a moment when some of the biggest uprising in in a country that is our enemy. And you know we have uh, adversaries and we have uh, competitors as far as other nations. We have enemies, and Iran is one of them. And with with the rising up of the students like this, because uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a woman was beaten so bad she died because a little bit of her hair was showing. So that's messed up. And the Iranian people don't like it. They don't like living under the mullahs. They've lived under an ayatollah for uh, since the Iranian Revolution, I think. Um, but we've had issues with Iran and uh, played them last. They needed they needed to 
if we lost or tied, Iran moves forward to the group of 16. If we win, we go to the group of 16. And, and so the United States won. It was badass. Um, right, right before most of the games, too, the Iranians were protesting. You, the, they, you would see the Iranian team standing for the national anthem. The first game, they didn't sing the national anthem. Uh, and that was a protest. And you could hear some Iranian fans booing. And that's a protest. And not a protest against Iran, but against the regime that's running Iran. They don't like them. But um, then the second game, so the first game they played England and they, they lost pretty big. But the, Ira- uh, the Iranian m- regime saw them doing that. And they actually sent, they have revolutionary guards there minding the team. Even to the point where, like I've seen on Twitter when I said that, that the... Um, the, you know the team is, is a, I think is a, a good gesture for Iran. They, they said that's, the, that's even a, a regime's team. They're placed there. I heard different. I heard that after they were not singing the national anthem, they were sending Revolutionary Guard to the players' houses, and they were letting the players know on the pitch that, hey, if you do that again, your, your family's going to get tortured, even though you're not here. And I, I'm assuming there's enough pressure on a player in the World Cup on that stage, you're being shown everywhere. That's enough pressure to play a game, let alone wondering about what they're doing to your family. So it's a lot in their heads, and it's, you know, regardless, good on them for playing. They're good on anyone that can get in front of a stage like that and play. So that there was that. But before the game, I don't know if you saw this, um, uh, an Iranian press guy, a reporter, was speaking with the Team USA's captain, Tyler Adams, and uh, Tyler Adams is—he's is, a, a person of color, but he was raised by a white family. And he—he he asked. Well, he corrected him at first by saying, "You're pronouncing the country wrong. It's not Iran. It's Iran." And so Tyler Adams was cool when he said, "Yeah, I, I, okay, I apologize for saying it wrong. It's Iran. Shit like that." And you know, I'm—I'm I'm personally like, well, I speak English, not gibberish. I say Iran. You know, Iran, Iraq. I don't give a fuck. But. He apologized, and then he, he asked him how, how he likes representing um, a country that uh, is so racist and so vile and all this stuff. He's obviously a state reporter from the state of Iran. Iran. But, um, yeah, he, he did it nicely, and he, he, he looked really he, – he rose to the occasion, and he really did a good job. Didn't let it get to him. They, they posted uh, – someone did. The Team USA is not saying they did it, but somebody posted a picture of their group, Group B, with the flags, and someone had put – the Iranian flag without the Islamic script on it, which which is what the regime wants, and they were obviously calling for us, the United States, to be banned from it, because that's how they roll and just ban them, because they're the innocent victims. Those, you know, the the the, the leading state sponsor of terror in the world was offended because we someone modified their flag. I don't really care who did it; doesn't bother me. Um, but in the game, uh, Christian Pulisic did score in the 38th minute. To put him up one nil, he was hurt. He actually did a pretty good job uh, playing with the pain because I think he took a shot to the guts from the keeper, but scored it. He went out. USA played with ten instead of eleven for a while, and then they did sub him out at the half. USA wins. They're moving on, so they are going to play the Netherlands on Saturday at ten a.m. That's pretty cool. I hope I can watch. I might be flying, but I'm going to find a way to do it. And then uh, obviously England out of out of that group also advanced. They're playing Senegal this weekend. So that was the World Cup. That's, that's just great to see. Um, it's just fun. I enjoy it. It takes off a lot of the politics. Uh, and, you know, touching on some of the politics, some of the stuff that you may have noticed, the, the uprising in Iran, we should be in there with our counterintelligence guys helping them overthrow them, the regime. Because if we could get uh, a friendly Iran with us, man, we could do a lot of stuff globally. Uh, 
with the oil and with the agreements and you know not worry about Iran sending drone bombers up to Russia to bomb the Ukrainian people and we wouldn't worry about probably a lot of Afghans that we train that are going up there because you know if they fight with Russia Russia's telling them they can stay in Russia they don't need to go back and live with the Taliban peace in that part of the world we've tried to enforce it you can't ram peace down someone's throat but if the if the people like this rising up the way they are that's the time to do it. And any, anyone in the, with an intelligence background would, would agree, I hope, with what I'm saying. And I really hope that we're doing stuff like that because not everyone in the jackass is a government. Not everyone in the government is a jackass. I think I said that backwards. It doesn't really matter when you're talking about government. But uh, we do have great people, so hopefully something will be done there. Same stuff uh, in China. Man, that's a huge one. They're locking people down over there like you read about. They're building these, they're building, building these prisons where they make you stay in there because they want zero COVID. That's their plan, zero, the plan for zero. So they're locking people, welding people into their houses and into these camps, and they have drones going around, and you need to show them your, uh, your card. Like it zaps it like you're buying groceries, and if you get a red or whatever, they send you to the camp, and then Lord knows what happens over there. A lot of bad stuff happens in China. We know that. Um, but not a lot of people say shit about China, if you've noticed, because they're all up to the White House. China's got a lot of dirt on a lot of people, a lot of Congress, a lot of senators, a lot of athletes. They're getting paid, man. If you don't, if you don't think the Nikes you're wearing aren't built by slaves in China, you're lying to yourself. But you won't hear a peep from them because it doesn't fit the narrative, and China will smack their butts and they'll stop getting paid. And at the end of the day, people just want to get paid. But there's uprisings in, in China, and it's just um, that's how it's going. Um, China's goal is is to destroy us. It's a superpower. Again, they're an adversary. They're not a, an, an ally. Um, and we've, we've managed to push all of our manufacturing to China. And they're going to invade Taiwan. And that's where uh, we make semiconductors for microchips for basically everything you use. And if and when China takes Taiwan, which they will, well, I mean, we, we, we're taking a few steps back here because they're in control of everything. They're in control of basically the vaccinations. They, yeah, they gave us COVID. They closed the world down. And... Um, you know, I'm not just making this stuff up. It's what's happening. That's what China wants to do. They don't care about the good. And then, and then, uh, uh, speaking of stuff like that in power, did you notice that um, we agreed as a country to um, sort of reopen Venezuela's oil production because the politicians in D.C. really, really need prices to go down for their political future. Even though we just had the midterms, these prices are going to go up. And, you know, they're saying that China's not using as much anymore because not everyone's driving anymore, which makes sense if you think they're all in a locked in a house. getting burnt. People get burned alive. Kids get burned alive because they're welded into a house and a fire starter. That's not a good way to go. It's happening in China. But we decided instead of tapping into our own oil, we have, we have natural gas. We have oil. We have uh, enough for hundreds and hundreds of years that we could rely on ourselves. But because of the left bowing down to the religion of climate change, we're going to get crushed by climate change regulations long before the planet melts onto us. So keep that in mind. But because of our regulations, we can drill in Venezuela. They have 20% of the world's proven oil reserves, too. That's Venezuelan oil, and it's dirty as shit. And I, if we're globalists, which we want to I don't want to be, but which we want to be, what difference to the environment makes does it make to the environment if we drill in Venezuela not here in Texas, not here in the Dakotas and in eastern Montana and places like Pennsylvania. All that would do is create jobs. Um, we could refill our strategic oil reserves, which we depleted because we need 
lower gas. We don't need to kiss Saudi Arabia's ass, which we did, and they did the opposite. They just they started doing less because they got us too. Um, we don't have control of it. Someone else does, and these are not our friends. You know, they control the oil. They control it's national security, and we can have it. Jobs, economy, low gas prices, all that stuff. And we, by the way, make the cleanest oil in the world. And you know, then we have a nuclear too. But again, the uh, ridiculous climate activists hate the word nuclear. That's emission free. You think they'd fall in love with that? But so we're giving that to um, that bit to China. There's a, something else interesting though that we were working on, but we're not anymore. There's a there's a country right by Venezuela called Guyana, a population of less than 800,000 people, and it's an ally of the United States. It's right by Venezuela, north of Brazil, and they're English-speaking. Uh, ExxonMobil made its first oil discovery there in 2015. It's offshore waters above 11 billion oil equivalent, equivalent barrels. So per capita, um, it has more oil than anyone in the world other than Kuwait, which makes a lot of oil, if you've noticed. Um, but and it's it's uh, the, the waters I guess have a low sulfur content. It's the opposite of the tar that comes out of Venezuela. So this is cleaner, and we could really develop that, and that'd be great for the uh, great for us, great for the environment, and you know lower pr- prices. It's it's better for the environment. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have renewable energy. I think we should. We're just not ready for it now. And turning everything off for us isn't going to do a thing. And charging your cars for six hours at a time, even though if if you unless they power your electric car battery using windmills or waterfalls, you're not doing anything. They're powering it from fossil fuels. It's a matter of where we get them. But we're not going to touch that. We, we had a chance to do it. And a lot of, oh, we, we're also paying a couple, $50 billion maybe, in climate reparations to other countries. Reparations because they're, they're, uh, they're, they're not a, they're, they're saying they're, 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 their economies are building. They're, they're, so the, the countries that are still not up to our level, we need to help them to be more fuel efficient. And you know who two of those countries are? China and India. They're not considered first world because they're, they're still building or whatever the shit the term is they're using. So they're not paying we are. I thought $50 billion on Halloween, or not Halloween, but on Thanksgiving, $50 billion would have bought a lot of turkeys for people who can't afford them right now because of the inflation that's caused by this administration, our lack of oil. And one more thing on you know a happy note about... Uh, about Guyana is if we don't move in there, guess who will? China. Remember when the World Cup was in Brazil? Guess who helped build the roads and all the infrastructure for that? China. What does that mean? Oh, look at China. They're moving into South America. What are they doing in West Africa? Are they trying to build a, uh, a navy in the Atlantic? Scary. China, they make all your stuff. But uh, don't say a word about it because they sponsor you with their shoes. So I bring this up a lot. This is not the first time. A report recently came out that American household net income dropped by over $6 trillion just in the second quarter of this year. That's the most on record. Were you prepared? What are you doing to plan for the report that's coming out next? Take my advice. Protect your financial future with gold and silver from my friends at Allegiance Gold. Allegiance Gold can help you protect your IRA or 401k with physical gold and silver or, if you prefer, have it delivered securely right to your front door. I've been all over the planet, and there is only one universal currency that is always of value, and that is gold. Allegiance Gold has some of the highest ratings in the industry. Five stars with TrustLink, AAA rated with the Business Consumer Alliance, and an A-plus from the Better Business Bureau. 
So go to protectwiththeoperator.com and get up to $2,500 of free silver on a qualifying purchase when you tell them the operator sent you. Or give them a call, 844-790-9191. That's 844-790-9191. We cannot control the Biden administration, but we can prepare for the consequences of their policies. So that's protectwiththeoperator.com. Protectwiththeoperator.com or call them at 844-790-9191. So now what I want to touch on is something that I talked about a few weeks ago. I mentioned that I like a pump-action shotgun for home defense, for myself and for my wife. And it's true. I do like them for home defense for a number of reasons. One is a deterrent. If you pump a shotgun, pump the action on a shotgun, if someone hears it, they're going to know what a shotgun is. Nothing sounds like that. And that's good if, if you decide to use a deterrent instead of saying, hey, I know you're here or setting off an alarm. You hit that shotgun in a quiet house, they're going to know what it is. Plus, they should know if they know anything about guns that that gun is ready to fire. And if, if you get in a close-in fight with a shotgun, you're probably going to win. That's just the way I feel. Uh, all of my combat experience tells me that. And... I personally have never killed anyone with a shotgun. I've killed people with other guns. I've seen someone get killed with a shotgun, and it's a son of a bitch. It's a big one. I like the shotgun for my wife to use it at home, too, because it's not necessarily a point of aim, point of impact. It's more of a point at their, point at their dick, you're going to kill them. It's gonna, you got to figure, all, uh, especially double-out buck, it's all coming at you. It's going to be a, a nice size hole. If you get shot in the dick with a shotgun, even if it doesn't kill you right away, and if you break into my house, I don't really care if I kill you right away, you're going to have something to think about as you lay there screaming. So it's a, it's a very vicious weapon. But I, um, I got some shit on, online from people who, um, who are very, very far right wing, what I like to call gun nuts. The gun nuts. I'm pro-Second Amendment. I think we should all have guns, especially now with what's happening in uh, in in this country, and we see the overreach of the government. Uh, it's it's kind of, you know you need to keep the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is the Second Amendment right behind the First Amendment because we need to have freedom of speech. And freedom of speech means, especially means the speech you don't like is protected. So you should be able to say anything that you want to say. Now I'm not going to say there shouldn't be fallout if you're a fucking idiot. You can stay silent or you can open your mouth and prove that you're an idiot. But it needs to be protected. What fascists do, and, and people around this country, especially now, especially politicians and the media, they're misusing the word fascist. If you shut someone down, cut them off, ban them, that's fascism. If you ban someone from saying stuff simply because you don't like it, that's fascism. And you, we can't have that. Free speech means you can say whatever you want. Again, if you're an idiot and you prove you're an idiot, that's still free speech. You're still protected. And believe me. I've, I've proven myself an idiot before, and uh, I'm also one of those people that can realize I said something and say, you know what, I might have been wrong, and um, you know, I, I, I think differently now. But uh, I said that, um, that I like a shotgun for home defense. And, and, uh, the, the, now, let, let, me, let me back up a little. When I say gun nuts, I don't mean people who go to the range. I don't mean people who shoot traps, shoot skeet. Uh, I don't mean people who... Uh, I think everyone should have a concealed carry. Like a lot of these people that that are, are and we all should be pro Second Amendment. All, um, if I'm personally in a, a uh, an environment like a restaurant or let's say a convenience store, and I don't have a, my weapon on me, but someone who knows how to use it does have a concealed carry, and a maniac with a gun comes in, I want that dude that's trained that has a concealed carry in there to eliminate the threat. The easiest way to eliminate the threat is to kill the threat. The easiest way. 
to stop a car is to shoot the fucking driver. Eliminate the threat. I, I'm pro-Second Amendment, and I hope people carry their guns. But some people take it a little bit too far. Now, when I said I like a shotgun, I started getting attacked by, um, I think th there's algorithms for everything. We call them bots. And if you say stuff politically on Twitter, the bots attack you. And it kind of sucks because it, it really makes reading the comments no more fun. I like to read the comments so I can uh, have a conversation with people. But when the bots start coming at you, they don't even know what they're talking about. All they do is have talking points and they spew and spew at you. So there's bots for political stuff on Twitter. There's, I'm convinced there's an algorithm for the, the extreme gun nuts. The dudes at the range that have the the nine mag pouches with their pistols, so they can practice a quick draw all the time and stuff like that. They, I think, they came after me because I said I like a shotgun. And um, Joe Biden once said, "You don't need an AR-15 because you know you just double double barrel shotgun outside, and you can go out there and crack two off into the air, and they'll be running." That's not at all what I meant because that's stupid. If you have a double barrel shotgun and you don't have a mag pouch full of uh, more double-lot buck, you're out. You just wasted all your rounds. Shooting it at the air is a warning shot. Like I said, that's stupid. But I think they associated me with that stupid statement about shotguns. I don't think it's like taking a girl to the prom and then dancing with her only. I think you should have a lot of guns. I like a shotgun. I have one right next to my bed. And what's nice about the shotgun is if I need to shoot and move with it at night, and I'm not talking about if fucking... Uh, a, a SWAT team comes in to get me because I'm, you know, because I'm a far right nut. I'm not talking about when we used to go into terrorist houses at SEAL Team Six. I'm talking about the crackhead who just broke into my house to try to steal my jewelry to get one of my watches. That's what I'm talking about. Like a lot of these gun nuts were saying, uh, "Oh, you're just a coward. You've obviously never been to combat, and you need to run, run towards the sound of the gun." First of all, that's fucking stupid. You're an idiot. First of all, uh, I've been to combat a couple times. Um, running towards the sound of the gun, everything is, every situation is different. If you've got buddies under fire and they're going to be killed, yeah, you need to go get them. But if you're getting shot at, you don't need to run to the sound of the gun so that you can wear that kick-ass shirt you got on Instagram to fucking Disney World. You hear the gunfire, flank them. Go to the side, take a buddy with you. Bring a long gun and a buddy with a long gun. All I was saying is if a crackhead breaks into my house, he's getting the one pump and then I'm coming after him. And that's it. Uh, uh, the shotgun will also, you know what, if I can shoot enough and move, that will get me to another spot in my house where I have another shotgun. Maybe it'll get me to the room where I have my AR-15s. Maybe I, I got a pistol in the kitchen, which I do. You don't know where they are. And you don't need to just shoot the bad guys with one gun or be really good at this. I'm just giving you options. And I said, um, I like a shotgun for home defense at nights. So if you're disoriented, you got a shotgun. And I'm taking that fight 10, to, 10, 10 out of 10 times. But... Um, Having again, I go to a lot of ranges, and people I meet at ranges, I I get along with all of them, and I love that people are training, and I love the fact that people do the whole train like you fight, get your gear on, know how to move out of cars, how to shoot shoot steel, shoot paper targets, get your zero, know your dope, know your windage, all that stuff. It's great. The people I have an issue with are the people who start badgering other people online, like I okay. I'm part owner of a new range in Florida. It kicks ass. And I, I, I'll i get you some info on it later. But if I'm at my range and I know there's some douchebags in there who harass girls online about the way they shoot guns, the way they hold their mags, you're not training with me anymore. And you're out. I will not enable you to be that asshole.
So I like shotguns, and, and that, that brings me up to um, to this. Uh, th- there's a lot of different quals that you can get. Like I said, you don't need to be the the one time only guy that only uses this. I prime example. I think I got in in trouble. I got I got in the uh, Reddit jail or the Facebook jail or Instagram jail. Go to one, go to some of my pages and whichever uh, the uh, the operator podcast and look at the ones if you want to have fun. Look at the ones that have the most likes. Read some of the comments of these people that start yelling at me. They they've yelled at guys like me. They've yelled at guys like Tim Kennedy, Jocko, uh, other Navy SEALs, Rangers, because uh, <laughs> I, I saw them say assault rifle once and. I've said assault rifle. I think I said it in a podcast, and I know AR doesn't stand for assault rifle. I'm not a douchebag politician. I know how they work. I've used them. I've killed with them. I've used them against the enemies of this country. I know that AR in 15 doesn't stand for assault rifle. And I think I just said assault rifle and the other guys, the other SEALs, the other Green Berets and Rangers that said it. Me personally, I said assault rifle because I've assaulted a lot of fucking people with these rifles. I've crept in there and I have victimized them, assaulted them, and left with them dead. It's an assault rifle if I decide it. You know, old habits. Anyway, um, I bring up the shotgun thing because I, I got to thinking about that. Have I ever shot someone with a shotgun? The answer is no, like I said. But I have been in situations where people I know have killed with shotguns. And the people who carry shotguns, now this is when we are going to go into someone's house and... Uh, do whatever it is we need to do to defend democracy. That's the new phrase of the week. Defend democracy. We're upholding democracy by crushing these fuckers. The, but the people that carried the shotguns were the breachers. Now, I was a breacher. Uh, most guys at SEAL Team 6 were actually breachers, had been through the formal school, got the training, learned all about it. But most guys, when you go through selection at SEAL Team 6, we go through breacher training in selection just so everyone can carry breaching charges you don't necessarily if you're in a really good assault team can i say assault team if you're in a really good assault team a a, a tactical team a swat team you should be able to put a a strip charge on a door to blast it open if you need it instead of calling the breacher up and the breacher doesn't need to be carrying all the shit anyway um, you should carry your own stuff, be able to put it there, and the realization of how to get in but i was a breacher i went through the formal formal course at uh, Fort Pickett, Virginia, which they will change the name because I believe Pickett was a Confederate general, but it was an awesome course. Uh, it was when I was at SEAL Team 4, I went through, and it was run by a guy from Gold Team, from SEAL Team 6. Fucking badass course. And so breachers carry shotguns because there are certain ways that you elevate, certain ways that you escalate force when you are going onto a target and you want to get in. Now, just to just to uh, to to keep it simple, to master basics, a breacher is the person that gets you in. And that means anything. I always like that because that is a how creative can you be? Because you can kind of do anything. With ballistics, you you need to be smart. You need to uh, understand um Understand your dope. Know your zero. Know what minutes of angles are. How to shoot moving targets in wind. Things like that. You need to be smart, and you need to you, you need to follow a lot of mathematic. A lot, a lot of math goes along with ballistics. A lot of physics. Now, there's math and physics in in explosive breaching, especially, but in all kinds of breaching. But you're also allowed. You're given latitude to get creative, because a breacher's job is to get you in. Get you in what? A breacher's job is to get you in whatever the fuck you need to get into. Do you need to get into that truck? 
Do you need to steal that truck? Do you know how to hotwire it? Breacher does that. How about that boat right there that we're going to steal and roll down the Tigers River? Do you know how to get us on the boat? Get us in the boat. There's a house. How do we get in? How are you going to get us in the house? Is going? Through, how did we get here? Was it quiet? Did we land on the Y? Did we land on the X? Are we sprinting to the target? Are we creeping on the target? Do we necessarily need to blast the door? Do we need to yell fire in the hole before we blast the double door? The answer to that is no. Because the person behind you, the team behind you, the tactical thinkers behind you should have seen the guy put the bomb on the door, assume it's going to blow up. But you need to um, you need to think of all those things. So we got very, very creative. But the one thing that we carried, and it, was, it wasn't a rivalry. Because, well, I was a breacher. I was also a sniper. Uh, a, a couple other quals. I, I'm, I'm a big believer that you can you can have many hats, and and as long as you have the time to you know freshen up on what you're doing, no no big deal. But I love to watch a little rivalry between the rivalry between snipers and breachers because sniper school for some reason always seemed to be like the that was the one you had to get, and you're a sniper, which means you can plan, which means you can shoot, you can be a leader. It's a leadership school. You know camouflage. You're a sniper, and breachers were sort of in the back until we actually started breaching for real. And then we realized that um, that um, that breachers are going to be used in a lot of applications. It actually got to a point where when I was at Red Team, it was a choice like, do you want to be a sniper or do you want to be an assaulter? A breacher is part of the assault team and assaulter. And I was like, I want to be an assaulter because I'm convinced now snipers will get more kills, but assaulters will you know kill more famous people. But the, um, when breachers started to get more more popular in the school um, and the skills, not even the certificate became um, people wanted it more. They started to get cocky with the realization that they're pretty fucking cool too. So it was the, one of the sayings when I first got to breacher school at Fort Pickett. The manual said uh, the the title of the breacher school manual said because a one eyed fat guy can make the shot at a thousand yards. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because that's all they're doing. The breacher gets up there and does everything, and we're going to sort of get into that. But the breacher carried a shotgun, which is one of the steps, one of the uh, methods to escalate force as you're going through a window, a door, a wall, what have you. Breachers carry shotguns. If anyone's going to get a shotgun kill, it's a breacher. I did see that happen. Devastating. It's never too early to play holiday music. And it's never too early to start thinking about gifts, whether it's for a friend or the friends in your pants. You can make this a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products to have the people thinking, all I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack, and you should too. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and use the code THEOPERATOR for free shipping and 20% off. You need to have a grooming routine, I assure you, because sometimes your partner will do stuff with their eyes open. The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. It has everything needed to help you deck the halls from face to balls just in time for mistletoe season. The Platinum Package has each product from best-selling High Performance Plus, Ultra Premium Body Wash, Ultra Premium 2-in-1 Shampoo and Conditioner, and Ultra Premium Deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. The Lawnmower 4.0 body trimmer and the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate presence. Plus, both are waterproof, so there's no issue cleaning the snow out of your driveway. There's also a 4,000K LED light on it so you can light the way like Rudolph. Now that you've groomed the candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Platinum Package's shower products. 
All of Manscaped shower gear is sulfate-free, vegan, and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. But smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. The Platinum Package 4.0 sitting under the tree is guaranteed to put anyone in the holiday spirit. And for the perfect stocking stuffer, add in the brand new Body Buffer, an incredible body scrubber that makes exfoliating easy and a lot cleaner than the old loofah. Get 20% off and free shipping right now with the code THEOPERATOR at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEOPERATOR. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. <laughs> so uh, now with the breaching side, the guy who carries the shotgun, the reason you do that is because um, when like the, the, the guy in front of the train, the point man, the first one to the door, sees the door, uh, um, he is basically the first one to decide what we're going to do as far as entry. So we always talk about master the basics. Master the basics. Get really, really good at the simple stuff. Master that shit, and it should follow. Um, keep it simple. So the first thing you want to do is look at a door. Okay. If you don't see hinges, that means the door opens in. If you do see hinges, it means the door opens to you. So you're going to figure that out as a one-man, basically... How are we going to open the door in order to go in? Are we going in soft? Are we going in hard? Are we going in quiet? Whatever. This sounds simple, but when you see or don't see hinges, the first thing you want to do is check the door. And I've seen that trick in training where you, you go through all your um, processes, but you don't check. The door's unlocked. You didn't need to breach it. It's unlocked. Check the door. The door's, on, the door's locked. Now we need to start working on the problems. The um, When you call a breacher up, the breacher is going to show up with a shotgun. He has a shotgun in case he needs to shoot the mechanism that locks it, the locking mechanism, or the hinges based on the way the door is. But before you do that, we're going to go through the steps of getting you in a door. Like I said, you can get in different places. Trust me. There's quiet ways to get through a window. There's quiet ways to break a window and just reach in and unlock shit. There's quiet ways to climb a building and go through the top. All kinds of fun shit. Like I said, creativity. But... The, 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 the four types that we use, and again, uh, this is such a creative line of work. There's a lot of shit out there. I'm talking to everybody from, uh, from engineers to SWAT cops to um, special forces to infantry to Marines. They're always thinking of good shit. But the ones we work with as far as breaching were mechanical, ballistic, thermal, and explosive. So the mechanical is just like it sounds. That's what I'm talking about. Mechanical is check the door. Doors unlocked, go in the door, go in the house. Get in the first room, you know, get your foothold. Um, if, if you, if the door's locked as you're calling a breacher, whichever your hand signal is to call a breacher or just like, Hey, or the breacher might be looking at you. I don't know. He might be right there. You, if you want to get it open and we're going to go in with, you know, we're going to escalate the noise a little bit. You want to start with a mule kick. Now I've seen people try to run at a door and ram it with their shoulders. I've seen them do a front karate kick. I like a mule kick because you, you know, you get a couple inches off the door, you know, foot off the door with your back to it and kick backwards mule kick and you can you know either you you can you can open a door a lot of doors that way i've done it before you know trying to get in a house that someone locked me out and I, you know butte montana we had a couple couple stiffies whatever um if if i'm training you though and i've seen this happen and you start mule kicking a door with the hinges on your side you're an idiot because the it comes this way, not that way. Don't kick it. It's a, it's a the, the door opens towards you. Don't mule kick a door with the hinges showing you. Little things like that. But again, that's keeping it simple. 
If if you're kicking, if you're mule kicking a door with the hinges on your side, you did not master the basics. You didn't remember the simple shit, and you look like an asshole. Nobody wants to look like an asshole. Um, so that's you, you can kick it, whatever. And as you're doing that, if if the and also um, what you'll find sometimes on some of these flimsy doors, not everywhere is a, a kill house with ballistic shit. Sometimes they're just thin little flimsy doors. You can kick your entire foot through the door. I've seen that happen too, where you just jam your foot. All of a sudden, your foot's in the house, but you're not. And you don't want your foot in a room with Al-Qaeda when your whole body and your assault weapon is not in there with you. So as you're doing this, that's when the breacher comes up, and he's going to analyze the door. If he has the shotgun out, here's why you have a shotgun, by the way, too. You cannot do this with an AR-15. Plus, an AR-15 doesn't get carried in combat. Tell the politicians that an AR-15, boys and girls, is not an assault rifle. We've never carried an AR-15. It's semi-automatic. A semi-automatic rifle is when you pull the trigger once, one bullet comes out. Fully automatic is when you pull the trigger, and as long as you hold it down, bullets come out until you, the source runs out, the belt or the... We'll get into that shit later. I have used guns, and I know how they work. So if the hinges are on the inside, the breacher will come up, analyze it. Chances are take two shots at the um, the damn thing on the doorknob, <laughs> and then the bolt lock. There's the lock and the opening mechanism. Shot, shot, and then he'll turn a mule kick it. It should open. If the hinges are on this side, two shots at each end. That is when you bring in what's called the hoolie. The hooligan tool is one of the greatest mechanical devices ever invented. It's a ri- it was originally called the Halligan tool because it was invented in the 1940s by a guy at the FDNY, the, the New York Fire Department, named Hugh Halligan. And uh, it's, a, it's, just a, it's a big bar for twisting. Um, you can hit shit with it. You can pry. Like if you get a sledgehammer, another very simple tool, put part of the hooligan, the hoolie into the door where the hinges are and the, you know, the sledgehammer comes up and knocks it in. You can pry that shit off. Um, it, it's a very versatile tool. It's been around. It was so good that the, when, when, when Hugh Halligan invented the tool, uh, the New York fire department didn't buy it because it would seem like a conflict of interest. Like we, and we see this a lot in our line of work where someone invents something so cool like knowing how to sew or put gear on, but they don't buy it because it could be a conflict of interest. Insider trading, uh, if you can imagine someone that knows someone getting a government contract, everybody gets rich type shit. But uh, the, NY, oh, sorry, the FDNY didn't first get the, the Halligan, the Hooli, because um, they didn't, they didn't want to seem like they were doing insider good old boy network, but the Boston Fire Department did. They picked it up. They picked up the Halligan Bar, they called it, and um, they purchased one for every fire company in the city. And then FDNY saw this bad boy, and so they bought all. And then, like I said, last seven decades, thing, or seven or eight decades, a long time, the Hooli. But that's part of it. So depending on where the hinges are, depending on how the door opens, Hooligan. So Hooli sledge are mechanical, and um, so is kicking the door and checking the locks and lock picking. This is a good. This is a good skill to get. When you're um, when you're picking locks, it all depends on the type of lock. Uh, but you can pick a lot of locks because inside is a lot of the similarities with the tumblers and how a key goes in. It puts things at certain heights, and then you put tension on it with uh, uh, your key. When you put it in, that's why the keys are cut funky. They put the the little bars down, and then the tension opens the door. If you can get a tension wrench of some sort, which is like an L-shaped wrench, put that in where the key goes, and put tension on either way it opens, and kind of you can rake the lock with you know there are lock picking sets 
Not as easy as it looks, but you can get the feel down. You can actually feel them clicking when you're putting tension on it. Um, and basically, something straight like a bobby pin. You can really do that. Uh, picking locks is very cool. There's, if you ever see one of those um, old school file cabinets, like one like one of the file cabinets at uh, CIA where the pictures of Bin Laden after we killed him, they're in that drawer. Like That's how much they give a shit. His pictures are in a file cabinet at the at CIA. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent. Um if you see one of those old school, they have like an oval um, size lock up top, like a top right or the top left. You can you can grab pretty much anything, and the, you, you need to go uh, in, up, over, down, and and you'll pop the lock right out of there. Try it in, up, over, down. That'll open that shit. So that's um that's the mechanical side. Mechanical breaching ballistic thermal explosive. Um, so ballistic is is when you bring the shotgun up, you're shooting. There, and again, someone's talented out there. Someone's came up with ways to shoot shit. And and there are different um, different rounds to put in your shotgun when you're breaching. There are breaching rounds. There's birdshot. You don't want to use double up buck for breaching. You can. But the nice thing is also with shotguns, if you shoot someone in the face with a breaching round, guess what? You're going to fucking kill them. Then there's thermal breaching, which is when you get into the heat type stuff. Um, torches, we used uh, we used torches quite a bit. Cut through metal. If you you know, I hope you never find yourself in a situation underway on a ship where you need to torch the door. But that's what thermal is. And then like quickie saws are uh, a thermal. And then then um, you know what works really well in houses is uh, chainsaws. And that that reason you would use a chainsaw is because if someone knew you were coming and if like they barricaded themselves into a room. And they know you're probably going to come through the door. They might have their guns trained on the door, and that's your fatal funnel. You don't, you know, want to be there um, six and one half a dozen in the other. But you can also just decide you want to cut through the wall with a chainsaw. That works really well. And that's I'm I'm not talking like traditional where you saw across like you're sawing a tree. I'm talking get that shit, get the RPMs up, and shove it straight in, and then cut down over. Then bring up your you know mule kick or your um, your your hooli tool. Pull it out, grab your sledgehammer, all that shit, and then there's explosives. And explosives are exactly what they sound like. You put a big breaching charge on the door, and then it goes boom, and you uh, you blow it up. This is where, because I know the the breachers like to talk shit to snipers and and say that you know snipers are out there doing whatever, and we got to get in here. But the breachers are smart too. You need to be smart because when you start getting into explosives is when you do need to know your math because you're especially internal uh, be, there's a difference between explosive breaching outside say for example uh, in a lot of places that we hit in the Middle East they would have big exterior walls with double doors maybe cars come out or they bring animals and carts out uh, blasting a charge that size is um, is different outside than blasting something big inside so you want to understand minimum safe distances for your team there's a different shit too like um, which side of the doorknob do I put it on? Because when I blast this, that could turn into a projectile or a missile because explosives, they blow up really, really fast. So you want to figure out where to place people. And, and again, that situational awareness, even if you're not the breacher, but you happen to be in the train that's going to go in the, in the room, if it's the same thing with trying to pass a semi. You know, it, When you're trying to pass a semi on the highway, if you can't see the mirror and the driver, he can't see you. So if you're getting ready to go into a room and your breach is setting a charge on one side or the other of the doorknob to blast the locking mechanism, if you can see the doorknob, it might be coming right at you. So just be careful of that shit. So then you got to get into calculations for minimum safe distance. And what you got to figure there at first is the uh, the net explosive weight of what you're using. And that's not necessarily just 
the bomb on there. It's everything involved with that explosive system. So the net explosive weight is the total weight in pounds, uh, explosive equivalency contained in the bomb itself. And so an ex- explosion, to keep it simple, we all know what that is. We've seen it. We've heard it TV and all that good shit. It's a, it's a substance that produces a volume of rapidly expanding gases which over a very, very brief period of time, which means in layman's terms, boom, there's your, uh, your rapid expanding gas. And the three fundamental types are mechanical, nuclear, and chemical explosions. So a mechanical explosion is one that depends on a physical reaction, such as overloading a container with compressed air, right? Like I think that would be like the Mentos shit in the Coke bottle. You know, that I, I believe that's a mechanical. I don't think we use that one very much. That's more of like a mining type thing. And if I'm wrong, uh, I didn't look that up. I do have some notes that I took in my uh, the one arm fact. I could take the shot at a thousand yards, but you know, preacher doesn't. So we have that. We have the uh, the mechanical explosive. There's a nuclear explosion, which who knows with politics and the world the way it is now. And some people are saying, "Fuck it, let's do this." <laughs> I'm ready for the meteor. But a nuclear explosion is like uh, it's a uh, it's an instant, rapidly uh, um, a chain reaction, a sustained nuclear reaction. There's a big the big bomb that. Uh, you know, a lot of these things that were invented, the, the people who invented them say they wish they could uninvent. And then uh, the chemical, there's a chemical explosion, which are the ones we use. And the chemical explosions are two types. Um, and they are detonating or high explosives or uh, deflag, uh, I'm sorry, deflagrating or low explosives. They're high explosive, low explosive, right? And so the detonate explosives are TNT and dynamite. They're extremely rapid, uh, rapid high pressure and then the other ones are uh, deflagrating. Sorry, I'm saying that wrong. Uh, so the, the TNT the, and, the, and the dynamite are the booms. And then the other ones like uh, smokeless powder, fast-burning powder, and stuff like that. And then the, deton- uh, the, uh, the detonant explosives are divided into two categories, which are primary and secondary. A primary explosive, it detonates by ignition from a source such as a flame of spark, impact, uh, other heat of sufficient magnitude. And the secondary explosion it, it requires a detonator, which is a supplementary booster um, which um, you need, you know, you need to throw shit on it to make it blow up. Basically, is what we're saying. Um, and then what we got to measure there, the net explosive weight is uh, we get into uh, like, I'm, like I'm saying, we're talking about the minimum safe distance. You need to figure out what's called the the, the what you need for the minimum safe distance is the uh, the quantity, the rate, the relative effectiveness, and the net explosive weight. Now, the relative effectiveness we use is based off of TNT. And so TNT has a relative effectiveness of one. And then the further, because you, you, you know, you're starting to get into grains and grams of explosive. Um, the highest one, I believe, what we used to wear, if you saw us in Virginia Beach, if you would see someone that was wearing a, a hat that said P-E-T-N, Petten, 1.66, it said Petten 1.66. That's the, the highest um, relative effectiveness, and Petten is, uh, is an explosive. And so Patton 166 is what we use uh, for breaching. That's our thing. And then like the next closest one was RDX with a uh, RE of 1.6. So basically what I'm getting at, I'm trying to, you know, I'm reading through all this stuff, is um, you want to figure out the, and we, we can get into the calculations later. I don't really want to get into them right now just because, they're, they're, like you can tell just me reading through this shit, there's a lot of stuff in here. I do take quality notes. I was actually the chalkboard petty officer in my boot camp class. Uh, not to brag. That's one of my quals. I was the guy that would wake up early and I would write down the plan of the day. I have very nice handwriting, block style writing, navy, shit like that. Um, so I'm looking at my notes, but like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of shit going on in here. But uh, and then there's a, a so you want to figure out how much the weight is, measure it all out, convert it. You you want to be safe. 
How close can you be to being safe? And what we learn is that we, we learn certain charges, like a strip charge with a certain uh, length. You, your safe distance is basically cut, cut your cord so that your hand right here is about six feet away from the damn thing. Because in combat, you're going to get dinged up. And a lot of guys I know have some, we all, I think, have some uh, a traumatic brain injury just from detonating so many explosives so close to us, especially in training, because we did train the same way that we fight. And then uh, the explosive that we use, like I said, with Petten in the deck cord, uh, the blasted cap, stuff like that. And then um, we use the composition C family, which is a plastic explosive, mainly of RDX. I mentioned the relative effectiveness of Petten is 1.66. RDX, which is used in a lot of things, is uh, 1.6. So a little bit lower. It's a you know C4. Um, there's we use C2, C3, C4, and C6, and uh, the um, there's just different um, proportions, different uh, plasticizers used in these things. Basically, how you can fold it up, and when you're using C4, which is in the, obviously the composition C family, you can really mold it. You can hit it with hammers if you want. It's it's not going to go high order necessarily. Don't do that shit with dynamite, nitroglycerin, um, all that shit. But these are what make these charges. You put a couple things together. Make sure you know the minimum safe distance. Watch out for the missiles that are going to fly off, doorknobs, whatever. If you're going to blow the shit out of the door, where are your guys? Know who's internal. Um, be safe. Be smart about being stupid. And then there's other things to consider, like if you're dealing with windows, uh, the brisance, the shattering effect of an explosive. Uh, don't fuck your buddies up. And uh, as, as dumbed down as I can, not for you, for me. Keep it simple, stupid. I'm stupid. I try to keep it simple for me. I hope that made sense. We're taking... We're basically figuring out how I, as a breacher, can get you as the assaulter, as the operator, through the front door so that when the bad guys run, our good friends, the snipers, the handsome guys with the nice hair, can kill the enemy as they're, they're not squirters, they're maneuverers at this point because you can't shoot squirters, but if they're maneuvering on your team, by God, you can blast them. That's a little introductory introduction into some breaching and some, some a little bit of what we did to get in there. Uh, yeah, so that's a breacher. I have mentioned before how important it is to get a good night's sleep, and I was introduced to Ghostbed by my friends at Drinking Bros. They've been working with them for the past five years. Uh, super comfortable mattress. They uh, last forever. Every mattress has a 20-year warranty. Some even have a 25-year warranty. They are made in the USA, and you can try them out for 101 nights. If you don't like them, send them back. No questions asked at all. My favorite part of Ghostbed is it has a cooling technology. Great for your back. Um, if it gets hot at night, which it usually does, the cooling technology takes care of you. They also offer bundles so you can get everything you need. You don't really even have to think about it. Just choose from their four mattresses, then pick a bundle. So whether you need a mattress or a frame or want it all, like their cooling pillows and sheets, you can get the best bang for your buck. So go to ghostbed.com slash drinking bros. Use the code drinking bros and you'll get 30% off of everything. That's ghostbed.com slash drinking bros. Use the code drinking bros. So I brought that up because I wanted to just kind of give you a little bit of look a little bit of a look at what goes into getting the people into the house. Because um, there's a lot more to it and just the fun competition between breachers and snipers. There's not really a competition because they're different jobs. And snipers have saved our asses so many times. Snipers, you love hearing them go hot because you know they're taking care of shit. It's, it's, fun. it's fun when snipers start to go hot because the night just got interesting and you know they're really, really good and trained. And the snipers also let us in there. They plan the route Awesome having them. Uh, it's, it was always fun. And then the breachers, when they go hot, it's just, it's game time. Explosive breaching, something's going to happen. At least people are going to be mostly alert that you're there. Uh, and I'm not giving up too much because I am convinced that a lot of you play Call of Duty 
And um, that's great. And But I think you'll learn a lot from that. I'm, I'm by no means talking down to it. I think it's impressive. Whoever is designing those games, um, they, they know what they're doing. There are people out there that play these video games that know more about it than about the systems than I do. More about the guns and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. I actually, I, I, I have the new X, the, sorry, the new PlayStation, and I have Call of Duty. Is it Call of Duty? Call to Duty? Something like it's the Duty game. Duty. He said Duty. But I, anyway, I, I haven't opened it yet. That's why I don't really know much about it because I, I, I don't know why. I'm kind of mad at myself. But if if and when I do, I'll let you know. But I'm probably not going to play online against any of you because I don't like getting my ass kicked like that. And I know you will. I, I, if I decide to get online though and play, I'm definitely not wearing a headset because I don't need to hear you talking shit after you kick my ass, which you will, which I would expect because I would do it to you. Because uh, I was good at Halo. I got good at Halo 3. When we were going to uh, Iraq and Afghanistan, we would set up our B-Huts with SEALs and Rangers and play Halo. And I love that game because, I mean, it's, well, games aren't realistic anyway, but this one especially because you're either the Master Chief or you're the big monster. And it was always funny to chase a monster because you have your nickname below you. You know who it is in another room. And you can chase behind him if you're good at it and like mess with him. The whole thing, like after you kill him, you teabag him. I know that happens, you fucking perverts. But, um, you chase a guy, and I would always love seeing it, and like blasting him with a shotgun in the back of the head, and hearing a buddy scream from another room because you know you just got him and you didn't see it coming. Yeah, shotgun. It, it works in in, uh, in in video games too. It'll kill you instantly. It also kills you for home defense. Just putting that out. But I wanted to give you sort of an insight into it because with with breaching and getting in, it's as it's it, it it's as colorful as creative as you can be. Um, so when we were in Iraq in 2007, we had to be creative. That was the time when, when we did the most killing. That's when we took the gloves off and we took it to Al Qaeda during, we called the awakening because the Sunni Muslims, Al Qaeda were coming into Iraq as foreign fighters, but they were forcing Sunni families to let them live with them. So it was hard to weed them out. We figured out ways to weed them out. And we did a lot of our killing then because we had a lot of latitude to do that. And we realized as the good guys with the latitude, we're not going to kill people we didn't mean to kill. So uh, we did. We had to get smart about it. And you'll notice, too, if you do a little research on 2007 in Iraq, a lot of the, um, a lot of the investigative reporters that are out there, a lot of the scumbags, um, love to try to find war crimes, I mean, against the coalition, the West, especially against Americans, especially against SEAL Team 6. There are investigative journalists out there with a hard-on to find war crimes on SEAL Team 6. They've written books about bullshit that they don't know. They put shit together. They just love it for the ratings and all that crap. But they say that 2007 was was the most killing that we did. And that's true. I mean, it is. We killed the most people during that. That was the, we called the deployment that never was. And um, a lot of people died. We got killed a lot of people. Uh, but we had to get creative there because... Before, especially right around 2004, 2005, Al Qaeda had wised up to our tactics, and they would, you know, have dudes inside that wanted to martyr themselves, that wanted to go to paradise. They, the the true believers believe, no, they know that when they die in combat, fighting the crusader or the infidel, which is which is what they call us, they go instantly to paradise, and it's everything you can imagine, everything from, uh, um, you know, it was written by a, a, an Arab from the desert. In a uh, long, long time ago, so it's like uh, rivers of water that never um, run dry, and you can have wine that's not alcoholic because wine is the fruit of the devil. But you can have it in heaven. All the women you want, they, they want to go to. They, they will. What I'm getting at, we'll get into that shit later. Um, they want to die fighting the infidels, so they go to paradise. So they would uh, leave doors open, have barricaded shooters, guys would run in, 
And uh, you know, a lot of guys got killed. Not my, not my guys, but um, a lot of a lot of our, our our sister units, a lot of American military. Um, and it sucks. So we had to get creative with what we're going to do. Long story short, one thing that we realized is you don't want to land on the X. Landing on the X is landing in the front yard, right by the front door. Because if you land on the X, you're making noise. They know you're there. There's another one called landing on the Y, which is kind of dangerous. That's a few hundred meters away from the front door. Not as dangerous because you have a little bit of standoff, but now you're running towards the front door. That's dangerous too. If they're waiting on the rooftop, which a lot of them are, that's a dangerous spot to be in, and your snipers aren't set yet. But you hopefully have air support, which we usually did, but dangerous. And then there's an offset, land somewhere else. But we learned that landing on the X is not safe. It should be um, your last option. It, 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 the squeeze needs to be worth the juice. Is it worth that target? Um, and we usually it was no. Obviously, Bin Laden, we had to. We landed on the X. He's worth it. Uh, fuck, if it's, Bin Laden's not worth landing on the X, I don't know who is. But we had a target one time as when I was the, the lead breacher for my team in my troop. And we found three houses in Iraq right around Ramadi during 2007 where there were three families there. We knew they were there. We had multiple sources tell us in these three houses, and they needed to be hit simultaneously. Which means we all want to. We all got to land on the X. We're not. We don't have time to walk in because there's a possibly secondary targets. There's other units hitting different places. We're landing on the X. That's it. I was the lead breacher and we were flying in a Blackhawk, so I wanted to be as we're landing in the front yard. I'm going to be on the right side, or as we call in the Navy, the starboard side, and the legs out. My job is going to be to run to the door. I need to run at the door and I need to come up with a system because I'm going to start this day off with a seven-foot charge of C6. I'm going to blast the fuck out of this thing because if we're going in, we're going in hot. As the breacher, I will not be the first guy in. I'll probably be the third or fourth, uh, but I am going to be the first guy in front of the door and they've realized that they know everything from from both sides. Like They know if you're coming up to the door, they'll shoot at the door because they know the breacher's in front of the door. That's why when we're training breachers, get off to the side a little bit. You know, don't, Don't try not to stand in front. Guys have been killed by them shooting through the door. Um, so I needed to come up with a system because I was using, we'll just call it shock tube, which is, it's it's connected. I, I have my 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 seven-foot charge of C6 rolled up like a fruit roll-up. I got it capped in, taped over it, so it's capped. It's in, you know. When you're training safe, don't you don't cap in until you get to the door. This is no longer training. This is Iraq 2007. We're fighting Al-Qaeda. I'm capped in. The whole system's here. I, I rigged up two M60 pouches where you keep your 7.62 uh uh, link belt fed, it, but instead of that, I put uh, the charge in one and I put the um, the wheel in the other with with my initiator. So the plan was, if they're connected, captain in the middle, I can run up to the door. Uh, I got security in the door, but I'm in, I'm going to be in front of the door for the minimum amount of time. So I smack that on there, roll it down. And now I can start backing up, and it should I had it S folded, kind of like the way you pack a parachute. I can back off. The, everyone's minimum safe. I clack it, and then we're rolling. That was the plan, and it worked. You know, we, I remember flying in there. We, I think we went in with, um, with, we went in with two sixties and one forty-seven. So two Blackhawks and a Chinook. We're in dash two. We're gonna hit the middle house. So we ran up there. We landed. You know, it was it was exciting because now you know I'm however twenty-nine years old, Navy SEAL, SEAL Team Six, Iraq. I believe in red, white, and blue. I believe in the cause. We're gonna fuck these dudes up. At the time, I'm ready to fight everybody. Um, so, you know, you get the whole two minutes out, one minute's out, 30 seconds, look, you know, nod, your nods are down, you're kind of looking out. And don't get cute with the damn lasers. You see a lot of guys have a laser in the floodlight, and they're shining it around. So 
if the enemy has nods, they can see that too. So just, you know, be smart about it. But you start to come up, we're getting ready to land, wheels down, and then we're sprinting. We're like, we're right in front of this, <clears throat> this house on the X. I remember sprinting up there all excited. Everything went smooth, back off, boom, clack it, blows up. Three men went in before me. I, I think I went in as a four man. And what had happened, uh, I didn't know this at the time, but I blasted an insurgent and it hit that insurgent so hard through the inside of the door. It actually blew the insurgent up against the wall. And now the insurgent was dead in the room. As I was walking in, helping uh, the guys clear it, I looked down and realized it wasn't a him, it was a her. And what had happened was she was a, she was a terrorist, and I found out later that her husband had told her, as we're coming in on the X, because they can hear us, you need to go in front, out there, stand by the front door where they're going to come in, try to get some shots off, and you're going to martyr yourself. And that's, uh, that's, that's the plan. Well, none of us knew that inside. We couldn't tell. And... Um, and uh, she was lined up on the side of the door where I happened to be putting a seven-foot charge of C6. So I blasted it, killed her instantly, which uh, if there's any, any, anything good about that, she died instantly. We came in, and I do remember looking down at her, though, <coughs> seeing her get blown up. And my first thought was, I hope God will forgive us. Because at, then, at that time, all I knew was we killed a woman. We, uh, we went in. Uh, I, I, my, some of my guys split the ride. I went down to the end. There was a, a dude in there, turned out to be her husband. He had an AK. He was actually holding one of his kids in front of him. I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know how their minds work with, uh, we're going to uh, martyr ourselves. Anyway, I had the clean shots. It was dark. I, had, I knew my holds um, because you know I, my gun was ready. I blasted him twice in the head, killed him. And um, we cleared the house, found a bunch of grenades, a bunch, bunch of weapons. There were two people in there. We could hear other guys going hot on both the other targets. So we had found an Al-Qaeda neighborhood. Our guys are getting it on. And then the hard part with the humility, I went back out and there were three children that were about the ages of my kids at the time. They were definitely the ages of my buddy's kids at the time. And that's a tough one, man. That's a humanity, the humility where they didn't know it, you know, because they heard, they heard an explosion. So they heard a helicopter. They heard an explosion. They got separated. Um, and then they heard suppressed gunshots. And to them, they might not no, that's a gunfight, but it was. They definitely didn't know their parents were dead. They're standing there in a kitchen. I feel like shit at this point. Uh, once again, these kids have nothing to do with this. And uh, the interpreter was there, and he was talking to them, and he, he, the interpreter explained, yeah, they're, they're here with their mom and their dad. So I said, well, fuck, does there, do they have any relatives nearby? And they said, yeah, they, they do. And I said, well, where? And they, they pointed actually out the back door, and it was one of the houses. And, you know, I know what you're thinking. Well, relatives, this is Al-Qaeda there, are. uh they're involved too, and you know maybe, maybe not, but that's not one of our targets yet. And the kid said that's one of their uh, relatives, so I'm just going to walk them over. And this is not a good call on my part, but I walked these three kids over without the interpreter. I could hear guys shooting on opposite ends, you know, a couple hundred meters away. I walked them up to the front door. Here's how dumb I was at the time. I rang their doorbell and waited for the door to unlock, and I, I, I could look at a, I saw a woman that was there their aunt or something. And she opened the door. I remember backing off and I, you know, I'm a lot going on. Just killed two people in a house. The, the, the realization, you know, I just killed these, these kids, parents. Here's the part of war that, um, that can bother you. This, this is the stuff that can get to you. Eventually those three kids, as I'm leaving, they turn around and they waved, but that is one of many stories. That story in particular is one that will stay with me. Difficult to deal with. A lot of guys see, I've seen a lot of stuff. I know, I know, um, Soldiers and Marines and Rangers that have seen more shit than I have have been in dangerous positions and and uh, 
it kind of just brings it back to everything that I was talking about earlier. We talked about relative effectiveness of a bomb. That's how big the bomb is. Know how far you got to be away from it, how to be safe. Um, you, uh, you know, you deal with stuff like that and then you come home and you never really, this is good advice, not just for combat vets. You don't, you don't necessarily need to be a combat veteran to have an experience that stays with you and you feel bad about, but you're not going to, you're not going to move forward by living on the past. Just, you can remember the past and learn from the past. But like, like I said before, time keeps ticking and, uh, keep in mind if you take that breath, um, the realization that, that the person with whom you're speaking is probably going through something as well that you don't know about that they're not showing. Um, and, and we're all like that, but the time moves for all of us. So uh, stay safe, minimum safe distance, know how big your bomb is, and you're never out of the fight.